Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Total Experience Podcast from Tribal London, a podcast about brand experience, what it is, how it works, and how we can do it better. My name is Richard Cable and I'm Head of Content here at Tribal. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to all of our many new listeners and thank you for taking the time to send us your positive and encouraging feedback. If you enjoy the show, it would be brilliant if you could take a moment to rate it and share it to help us reach an even wider audience. this episode, we'll bring you something a little bit different. We're going to tell you the story of one man's ordeal at the hands of a merciless Japanese game show, in part because of the interesting parallels with their own experience of lockdown, in part because of what it can teach us about brand experience in the post-COVID world, and in part because it's basically just batshit crazy that something like this happened in the name of entertainment. On a snowy January day in 1998, a group of young comedians gathers in the offices of a casting agency in Tokyo to audition for a show business related job an audition that is quite literally the luck of the draw. The 20 or so applicants draw lots to win the role, and one of them, Tomoaki Hamatsu, a goofy-looking character with an unusually long and very expressive face, comes up trumps. I'm the winner, he shouts excitedly as the fellow applicants politely applaud. A producer appears, takes him by the elbow and says, shall we go? What now? He says, as he's led away into the snow and awaiting minivan where he's blindfolded and given ear defenders before being whisked away to a secret location. Asked how he feels, he replies, it sort of feels like a whole lifetime of luck has been used up in one go. If only he knew. Hamatsu can have no comprehension of the gigantic, life-altering experience that is about to overtake him. Unbeknownst, he is now the star of a new TV show called Denpa Shonen Teki Kensho Sekatsu, which loosely translates as A Life Out of Prizes. The audition was a small clue to what lies in wait. A life out of prizes is quite literally that. He's locked in a room, alone and naked, where he has to live on what he can win from magazine sweepstakes. And remember, 1998 is pre-internet for most of humanity. He's given running water, heating, electricity and basic sanitation, but that's it. No clothes, no food, and no communication with the outside world bar an old-fashioned desk telephone. And he'll only be released when the value of the prizes he's won hits 1 million yen, or about 10,000 pounds. To preserve his modesty, a floating eggplant icon is superimposed over his bits, earning him the nickname by which the world will come to know him, Nasubi, the Japanese word for eggplant. He sets to his task with something like superhuman enthusiasm, diligently filling out thousands and thousands of postcard applications to prize drawers. He tries to occupy his time in captivity positively, either by attempting some disconcerting naked exercise or chatting cheerfully to himself as a way to break the deadly silence. Pretty quickly, his focus narrows to just one thing food. Nasubi starves for the first couple of weeks as he struggles to get his hands on anything edible. He finally wins some jelly drinks and then a steady supply of food in all shapes and sizes, including a bulk supply of dog food. And yes, he does eventually eat the dog food. It's a full 10 weeks before he wins his first roll of toilet paper, a victory he greets with unbridled joy as he literally dances to the toilets in celebration. The parallels with their own experience of lockdown are uncanny. Before long, his living space is cluttered with things he owns but he can't use because, well, he's shut indoors. There's a bicycle, a pack of golf balls, a barbecue, four tickets to the Spice Girls movie, and a full set of car tyres. But the experience doesn't just affect his body. Before long, it also starts to affect his mind. The more isolated human beings become, the greater the likelihood we will compensate by anthropomorphizing inanimate objects, that is, imbuing them with human qualities and doing strange things like talking to them. Nasubi has the camera to talk to, so there's a constant sense of human contact, but it's illusory. The camera is a dead eye, watching, but not giving back. It takes Nasubi no time at all to start talking to everything and anything new that enters his world. 
from the toy seal he christens Venus to a punnet of fresh tomatoes. His constant, slightly deranged chatter makes great TV, but, like boiling a frog, you don't notice his steady mental deterioration with every episode, because it happens gradually. If you compare Nasubi at the start of the show with Nasubi at the end, the decline is frankly shocking. Thanks to judicious editing, we only ever see the comic moments of Nasubi's isolation, rather than the irritability, the restlessness, the severe boredom, the flashes of anger, the stress and the fatigue that he must have endured. At the time, he took it all on the chin, but he later said, I suffered mentally every day, feeling like I was trapped between sanity and madness. I thought of escaping several times. I was right on the edge, especially towards the end. A more humane show might have recognised the signs of chronic isolation and decided enough was enough before any permanent damage was done. Not Denpa Shonen Teki Kensho Sekatsu though. Oh no, not by a long shot. The show is a gigantic hit. Every Sunday night, a colossal 17 million viewers tune in to watch. Nasubi is a runaway megastar and yet he has no idea he's even on air, believing the show will be edited and broadcast after his release. When Nasubi finally hits his target by winning a small bag of rice that takes him over the line, he thinks it's all over, but the producers have other ideas. Rather than release him, they fly him to South Korea, where they lock him naked in a new apartment and make him start all over again. In a foreign language this time, with the goal of winning a first-class flight back to Japan. It's a mind-bendingly cruel moment that might have broken a less resilient individual. In the end, Nasubi wins his flight home. Back he goes to Japan where, you guessed it, he finds himself in another apartment. He's so inured to the process by now that he submissively takes off his clothes, ready to go again. The apartment door shuts, and then the walls fall away to reveal that he is in fact sitting bollock naked in the centre of a packed TV studio. He's overcome with shock and bewilderment. He asks incredulously, do you mean everyone has been watching me naked the whole time? Is that allowed? At the time, it felt that Nasubi's experience was a unique and probably unrepeatable one. But now we find ourselves in a world where we are all, to a greater or lesser degree, Nasubi. The analogies with their own experience are clear. For starters, Nasubi, like the majority of us, consented to his confinement. Like us, he was largely at the mercy of events that were created by an uncaring force beyond his control. And like us, he never had a clear idea of when that experience would end, only the assurance that one day it would finally end. And like Nasubi, we are having to find coping mechanisms to deal with a less stimulating world in which the social interactions we desire fall far short of what we're actually getting, which is the very definition of social isolation. Like Nasubi, we probably won't start to fully understand the impact it has had on us until after the experience has ended. But a more interesting thought is to look at the whole thing as an analogy for brand experience in the pre-COVID world. Nasubi is the customer. The show is the brand experience. Now, you can definitely point to the show and say, yes, it was successful, and yes, it was consensual. But you can also say that it ruthlessly exploited Nasubi for its own ends and gave very little consideration to his actual needs as a human being. Like Nasubi, we are going to come out of the lockdown experience changed. We're going to be more anxious. We're going to be more cautious. We're going to be more socially isolated. We're going to be lonelier. So while it's important for brands to design experiences that not only help us manage the practicalities of a post-COVID economy, contactless transactions, socially distanced physical retail, home delivery, everything, they need to do so without making the anxiety and isolation worse. The next phase in the evolution of brand experience needs to be a little less Denpa Shonen Teki Kensho Sekatsu and a little more Great British Bake Off. Not just making the machine work for entirely self-serving ends, but enhancing the things that make us human. Things like positive social interaction, emotional feedback, empathy and consideration, community and belonging. It's a big ask in the midst of the steepest economic downturn for 300 years. 
But if there ever was a moment for brands to move beyond claiming human characteristics to actually having them, this is probably it. That's it for this episode of the Total Experience podcast from Tribal London. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'd love to hear your ideas for future episodes. So please feel free to get in touch via info at tribalworldwide.co.uk. That's info at tribalworldwide.co.uk. And of course, please like, share, subscribe, and rate us in your favorite podcasting app. I've been Richard Cable. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and stay safe.